editor's note, this is a lot shorter than novella number one. Book three is half written. It has been for a while. We'll see how that comes. Pizza Noir by Denver Day, book two, chapter one. New Monday. Detective Scott Smith arrived at his desk at 7.30 Monday morning. There, finding the note from Detective Thompson inquiring of any progress on the Tina Santos homicide. <clears throat> Smith had been on with the Washington State Police for only 13 months, but he had had 10 years with the Seattle City Force before that, and he didn't think of himself as green, and he knew that Thompson's case was far out of the ordinary, he thought to himself. More or less, the Santos case, an axe murder, was interesting unto itself and remained unsolved. Unresolved, but his colleague Thompson's current task had become fringy and sheer, bonafide supernatural. Thompson's case was a messy one that would probably never be squared away, and Smith quietly admitted to himself that he was glad it wasn't his. Thompson had liaised sexually with Tina Santos last week, incidental to his investigation of the 11 October homicide cluster and its bizarre developments, and last week turned out to be Santos last week alive. Thompson's relations with the woman was in large part why the case was assigned to Smith. On Saturday, Thompson had recommended that he keep an eye on the regular crowd where Santos' musical outfit was the house band. They were a jazz group. Santos was a sax player, a former forest ranger, and she was killed with her own axe in her apartment by a single well-angled edge and blow into the top of her head. About 56 hours prior, the bass player found the body. Santos was a pretty lady about 5 feet 6 inches tall with neck length, almost black straight hair. She'd not been assaulted sexually, according to the Pierce County Coroner's report. Smith had met with all of Santos' bandmates on Saturday, and he spent Saturday evening watching them in the hotel lounge. <clears throat> he could tell it was an exceedingly difficult emotional time for them. They showed an innate compulsion to remain ship-shape and keep on, though. It served them as, as a coping mechanism. Though emotionally stout, it gave them something to do with their hands while they suffered through the shock of the bad news. And they probably could not afford to miss any gigs in the first place, Smith thought, so the band played on. They clearly recognized him as he had deposed all of them thoroughly that afternoon. He was polite as it could be. They knew he was there to parse the crowd for suspects. He sat in there from about 11.30 p.m. to about 3 a.m., they were mainly business class on one-night layovers and intermittent traffic from the strip club across the block, and he didn't see any loners in the corners. Yet, mostly Smith was the only one in there by himself, although towards the end of the night, a couple of unescorted prostitutes occupied the bar. The next afternoon, Sunday, Smith contacted the couple. A lead he got from Santos' bondmates, a girl and a guy who had been in an intermittent tryst with the victim, Tina Santos. They were 
career student disc golf types, fair weather friends of Miss Santos with an address at a bungalow downtown. Downtown Olympia. The woman answered the door holding the broom and looked down at Smith's badge, which hung around his neck on a lanyard. She held out her hand. Hello, may I help you, sir? Politely, she queried. <clears throat> My name is Scott Smith and went to state police, Tacoma local. Tina Santos was killed Friday night and I'm investigating her death as a homicide, he answered. He looked into her eyes and they widened for a moment. With one foot, she stepped back lightly and her handshake, not met. I'm sorry about the loss of your friend, but since you were friends with Miss Santos, I need to ask you some questions, he continued. She was visibly shaken, though she briskly invited him in. She introduced herself as Daisy Wilson as she caught her breath. Her housemate's name was Skip Foster, she said, Professor Skip Foster, but he wasn't there right now, having gone to his campus office. Miss Wilson offered tea. She and the detective sat on the couch in the couple's unlit den. Daisy Wilson explained about her and Mr. Foster's friendship with Tina. Three years ago, they had all met on campus where Skip, where Skip was an adjunct professor. When Daisy was still a student, she said, the three were wine buddies. Daisy teared up a bit as she talked several times like the victim's bandmates. Miss Wilson made a statement that she was not able to think of who or why anybody would kill Tina Santos. And Thompson had pointed out, though he had only known her for a short time, that Santos was an upright, pleasant, intelligent woman, thereby suffering no antagonists. None apparent after about a half hour, Smith finished taking the woman's statement, who had by then stopped crying. He thanked her for her time. So far, the consensus from the people who knew Santos was evident and consistent. The bewilderment of the victim's friends and the colleagues seemed genuine. If a criminal, bridge dweller, or addict is murdered with an axe, it doesn't shock the conscience. It is far less likely for normal people to be killed with an axe, and Santos was clean, so her murder was out of hat. 